So I meant you to turn over in your bulletin uh, over to the bottom of page two and to page three. We come this morning to the third of our Christmas prophets. Uh, we've been looking at various uh, Old Testament minor prophets getting ready for Christmas the way God got his people ready for the coming of Jesus, working through Old Testament prophets to prepare the way. And uh, this week we come to the prophet Jonah, and God preparing the way a little bit differently than some of the other prophets we've looked at. Here, uh, not as much preparing it through uh, the verbal prophecies of Jonah, but the very life story of Jonah, uh, pointing to Jesus. Uh, a little bit connected time-wise to what we talked about last week from Micah. Uh, we talked about the, the, the superpower of the day, the mighty empire of Assyria. Well, uh, the capital city of Assyria is Nineveh, and that's the city that Jonah's called to go to. Uh, a little bit before some of the things we talked about in Micah, but the same ugly uh, empire Jonah is now called to go to. Well, let's read. We're actually going to read uh, portions of each chapter of, of Jonah um, <clears throat> and then try to take in the entire uh, story of Jonah and see how it prepares us for the coming of Jesus. So let's read God's word together. Uh, and as we read this familiar story, begin to think, how does this have to do with Jesus? Okay, let's read together. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down, lain down and was fast asleep. <laughs> and so the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God uh, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us uh, on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what are your people? Uh, what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, uh, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back uh, to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish from this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we'll go towards the bottom, towards the end of chapter 2. Jonah has been praying to the Lord uh, in chapter 2 uh, from the belly of the fish. And then we read verse 10 of chapter 2. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it uh, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then uh, we read uh, what happened next to Nineveh. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is, this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster." And then uh, one more verse, the very final verse of the book. It's not on your, on your bulletin there, but here's the final verse of the, of the book. God has been rebuking Jonah, and he says this, And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Let's pray for God's blessing on his word. Lord, this is your word. Uh, we pray that you would prepare our hearts and teach our hearts just as you prepared your people long ago. Show us Jesus, we pray. In his name, amen. So if you had to explain to someone why Jesus and his coming is a big deal, how would you do it? So you're talking to someone, okay, they believe that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but they just don't get why that's such a big deal. Why that should be the, the, the center of your life. Uh, the, your entire hope and joy, even, even when Christmas is done, Jesus is the center of everything in life. They just don't get it. How would you explain that Jesus is a big deal? Well, maybe you could ask, how would you explain to yourself that Jesus is a big deal? Because don't we often struggle with the same thing? Okay, we believe Jesus came, but, but in the nitty-gritty of life, sometimes it's hard for us to really get why Jesus should be the center of our world and why he is our true joy and hope, right? December 26 rolls around. Why is it that he's the center of everything in my life and my joy? How would you explain that to yourself? Well, maybe we could explain it the way Jesus explained it. And we read in our, our Matthew scripture reading this morning that Jesus is talking to a group of individuals who just don't get him. They're not getting him. Clearly, they believe he's there, but they don't get why he's a big deal. 
And so Jesus explains it to them. Uh, he says, look at Jonah. That says it all. Look at Jonah. The sign of Jonah. So apparently, according to Jesus, if you look at the life of Jonah and where it points, you'll get Jesus better. Okay? Let's take him at his word. Uh, let's look at the life of Jonah and say, how does this show us why Jesus is such a big deal? Right? So maybe you're very familiar with this, uh, with this story. Kids, you probably learned the story of Jonah. I bet you love the story of Jonah. It's one of my favorites, too. Do you ever think about how Jonah shows us Jesus? What we learn uh, is, the, is the what. The what of Jonah's story, which is God's relentless pursuit to save sinners. So the story of Jonah is the story of God relentlessly pursuing in order to save sinners. And Jesus says that's a signpost. It points us forward to what Jesus is all about. Okay, God's relentless pursuit. Who is God pursuing in the book of Jonah? Well, he's pursuing the Ninevites. Right? That's where the book begins. God says to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. Go to that great city. Call out against it. Their evil has come up before him. Here's God sending his prophet to this very wicked city uh, to speak God's word, which they, have, they haven't received God's direct revelation, his word before, but God says, you go, Jonah. Confront them with their sin. And we get the message of what it was going to be, because he actually eventually gets there in chapter 3, right? The message is, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So it's a message of, of coming judgment. Why would God do this? Why would God uh, give them this, this warning of judgment and go through great effort to get it there, right? He has to hurl storms. He has to appoint big fish. He's got to deal with a, a rebellious, reluctant prophet. Why would destroy them right out? Well, in his justice, of course, he could bring judgment upon them. Uh, but you see, as you look carefully, his purpose was not to destroy them, but to save them. That's why he brings the warning. Uh, that's why he sends his prophet there. That's why he goes through all this, this in the midst of the book, to save them. Of course, Jonah himself admits that. He knew it from the very beginning, right? Chapter 4, we read those verses. I knew it. This is what you were going to do, God. Uh, you're a merciful God. You were going to forgive them. You were going to save them. So God was relentlessly pursuing Nineveh. But the book of Jonah is also God's relentless pursuit of Jonah, right? Here is God pursuing his own servant who's rebelling against him, right? God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah goes the exact opposite way, even geographically. Nineveh is east. Uh, he goes, maybe you caught that. Uh, God says, arise, go up. And then what do we hear from Jonah? He goes down. He goes down to Joppa, down into the ship, uh, down into the inner part of the ship. He lays down to sleep, really emphasizing he's doing the exact opposite of what God wants him to do. God, Jonah is running from God and running from God's authority over his life. Is this part of where we can start to relate to the story? Is that... Is that part of your story? Running from God. 
maybe you think of a time in your own in your own past, in your own history, uh, where maybe it was pretty overt and graphic. Uh, God and his his authority were saying this way, and you went the opposite way. Maybe it was graphically indulging in a particular sin, uh, or just just living for yourself, your own pleasures, or your own success, or being popular with others, and you you were running from God. Um, Maybe there are ways that you're still tempted to run from God and his call on your life and his authority over your life. Maybe it's not as graphic as, as days past or as with other people, uh, but, but there's a real sense in which God's saying, here is the way you're to go, and you want to go the opposite way. Maybe a particular area of your life, and you say, nope, God, you don't get this one. You don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go your way here. And, and there, you're running from God. So can you relate to Jonah? We can look at him and say, oh yeah, that's kind of like me. But, of course, the story, the book, is all about God's relentless pursuit of runaways, of Jonah. And you look at how God does it, right? He sends a mighty storm. Yeah, he sends, he sends people, right? The, there are the sailors and the captain. They're, they're confronting Jonah. Uh, it's God coming after him through the storm, uh, through people. Through the, the great fish to, to rescue him. What's all that about? God is seeking and saving Jonah. Maybe this is part of your story too. Can you see this in your life? Uh, you, sure, there's a story of, of you running from God, but how about that God relentlessly pursuing? God God's sending all sorts of things your way. Storms in life, difficulties, hardships, hurled your way. Was God pursuing you? Maybe you can look back and see. God sending people into your life to challenge, uh, to, to direct. God sending all sorts of things. And what was he doing? He was seeking and saving. But all of this is just a sign to something greater. To someone greater. To the Lord Jesus himself. What do we see in Jesus? We see in Jesus God's ultimate pursuit to seek and save the lost. Jesus Jesus himself described his own mission that way. uh, When he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was was his whole life, what it was about. And think of it. uh, The story of Jesus, the reality of Jesus as this is God seeking and saving the lost. Uh, it's just like Jonah. Here's, here's God the Son. God himself takes on human flesh. Uh, he, he goes uh, being born in this wicked city. Right Here we live in the ultimate Nineveh. And here is God himself uh, going, stepping right into the midst uh, of the city. Here. You can even think of the, the, the Christmas story and how... It, can, it includes all these different miraculous things, miraculous details. They're kind of like Jonah. Uh, and the miraculous details aren't random. They all have a purpose. Here is God coming to seek and save. Right? So you have the, uh, the God sending angels to announce what's coming. You have, have a, a miraculous conception. A virgin conceives a son. 
You have, you have the, the leader of the world, the Roman Empire, deciding at this particular moment he's going to call a census to get the right people in the right place. What is God doing? He's moving the world in his sovereignty, not randomly, but to seek and save the lost. He's coming to seek us out. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we really have. One greater than Jonah is here. He's seeking and saving the lost. But there's more to the book of Jonah. In fact, we haven't even got to the, the one detail that Jesus really highlights, which is Jonah's time in the belly of the fish, which gets us to our second point. So first you have the what, God's relentless pursuit to seek and save, and now you get the how. How does God do this? So Jesus explains, right, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, Jesus so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now what Jesus is getting at here is more than just a, a, a detail of numbers, right? That They happen to share the same, the same number of days in, in a dark place. No, what, what he's, with a common connection here, what the sign is all about is how God is pursuing, how God is saving. Uh, that God is going to rescue from death through death. That's the story of Jonah. That's the story of Jesus. Okay, so let's go to let's go to Jonah's story. God saving from death through death. So uh, here's here's Jonah. Uh, he is in in the belly of the fish. You could say entombed in the fish for three days. Uh, he himself describes it as a kind of death. Uh, we didn't read it, but in the midst of his prayer in chapter 2, uh, he says that he's crying out to God from the belly of Sheol, which is Old Testament language for the grave, the realm of the dead. Right? He's, I'm crying out to God from the tomb. Right? So the picture is uh, that time uh, in the darkness of the, of the fish is, is, is Jonah entombed. And of course, on the third day, he's he's resurrected, isn't he? Right? The fish spits him out, new life back in the world of the of the living now. Jonah given his life back. And think of what all that is, what all is accomplished uh, through that death and resurrection of Jonah. What does God accomplish through it? Well, he accomplishes salvation for Nineveh. Right? If, if Jonah isn't swallowed up by the fish, if he isn't entombed. Uh, for those three days, and then resurrected. If that doesn't happen, well, Nineveh is stuck in their sin. They never repent. They're never forgiven. They will go and die in their sin and be judged for their sin. But God saves them from death through the death of Jonah. God saves from death through death. And all of that just a sign to something bigger and better Right? The one greater than Jonah is here. And this is the good news of Christmas. And the New Testament gospel is the one greater than Jonah has just arrived. And he is far greater than Jonah. No reluctant prophet here. Right? And Jesus doesn't reluctantly come against his will. But joyfully, fully, completely doing the will of his Father. Uh, perfectly righteous not running from God in the slightest. In fact, he's the one who shows up and says, not my will, but your will be done. And who did, what does this greater Jonah do? He dies. 
Three days his body entombed under the power of death. And what's accomplished through that? Through his death, he rescues sinners from death. Right? Because he goes to the tomb not for his own sin, but, but bearing our sin. Right? Because that's what sin deserves. The wages of sin is death. So our sin uh, deserves death. And, and so if we're going to be forgiven and rescued, someone has to bear that sin and the penalty of that sin. And that's what Jesus is doing in the cross and the tomb. He's, 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 he's taking death for us so that through his death, we can be delivered from death. And exactly what the New Testament says, yes, exactly. Because he died, we're made alive. Uh, it's, it's true spiritually, and so Paul, Ephesians 2, says we were dead in our sins, but we're made alive in Christ. Yeah, through his death, uh, we escape death. Spiritually, we're made alive, uh, but also this is the, our eternal future. All right, Jesus explains it. This is why he is the resurrection and the life, because uh, through faith in him, uh, he who believes, though he die, yet shall he live, Jesus Right? Through his death, what happens to us? Yeah, our future, physical and eternal death, we, we, we escape to life because he died for us in our place. So we are delivered from death through his death. Good to remember that this time of year, isn't it? That the whole reason the showing up of Jesus is a big deal is so that he can die for us as people. It is a strange way to celebrate a birth, isn't it? We're so glad this baby is here to die. But that's it. That's why we remember it 2,000 years later. Which is why, if you pay careful attention, the best of the Christmas hymns always start to make that connection, even maybe just a little bit, or sometimes very explicitly leaning, this is gone to the cross. This is going to the tomb. Because that's why he came. It's God relentlessly pursuing sinners to rescue them from death through death. That's our only hope. One more point. And we're starting to pull it together. Uh, and that's the why. So we're seeing what God does. He's relentlessly pursuing sinners. How he does it through death. He saves from death. And now the why does he do it? Why does he do it? In, in the story of Jonah and the greater Jonah, God reveals his heart of compassion. Now, the conclusion of the book of Jonah... Jonah chapter 4. The conclusion of the book, this one never makes it into the children's story Bible. Have you noticed that? You never get chapter 4. Angry, sulking, complaining Jonah. doesn't make for a good story Bible chapter. Uh, but that's how the book of Jonah ends. Here's Jonah. Uh, he's, he's there saying, I knew it, God. I knew this is what you were going to do. I knew you're a God of mercy and compassion and they were going to repent and you were going to forgive them because this is, this is of course, Israel's enemy. Uh, they have been already brutal to, to God's people and that will only continue uh, later on. Jonah doesn't want to see them forgiven. He wants to see them judged. In fact, uh, in chapter 4, we read that he, he sits down outside the city, probably sits down waiting for God to maybe change his mind and judge the city. Right? Maybe he'll turn into a, a Sodom and Gomorrah after all. So Jonah sits down, come on, let's see, let's see some destruction. But God comes to him and challenges him. 
uh, challenges him, rebukes him, right? Should I not pity? Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? And that's how the book ends. We, we actually never find out if, if Jonah has a change of heart. Uh, if Jonah uh, changes his heart to match God's heart of compassion, we never find out. It's almost as if the, the whole book ends with a to be continued. And then Jesus arrives. And we don't have to wonder about whether this prophet, this ultimate prophet, uh, shares God's heart of compassion. We don't have to wonder. Because it is right there, explicit. Everything that Jonah wasn't, uh, Jesus is. He comes bearing the very heart and compassion of the Father. He looks on the people and he has compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. In fact, Jesus himself ends his story outside of the city walls. Like Jonah was outside the city walls. Rebellious, sinful, ugly city. Jesus also is outside the walls. Only he doesn't sit down angry at God, complaining, uh, wishing for their judgment. What does Jesus do outside the city walls? He weeps for the city. He cries out, Father, forgive them. And then he dies to make that forgiveness a reality. That's the greater Jonah. And so you look uh, at, at Jesus, the greater Jonah, and you don't have to wonder about God's heart. It's right there. That's the supreme demonstration uh, of God's heart towards sinners. Um, I wonder if you, you ever wrestle with that. Right? Do you ever wonder how God really feels about you? Really, you know, right now, how's God really thinking about me? You know, is he just kind of disappointed Is he just indifferent to you? You don't have to wonder. Because you look at the greater Jonah. And, and, and part of what God was doing was revealing his heart. And the greater Jonah has arrived, uh, and the greater Jonah has declared, right? Here's God's love demonstrated. Here is where it's proclaimed to you and to me and to the world. Look at what he did. Uh, he died for sinners. He died for you. There's God's love. And you don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to scratch your head. You look at the greater Jonah. So the life of Jonah is a sign. It's a, it's a, it's a pointer. It's preparing uh, us and preparing God's people for something bigger and better. Uh, the very thing that we celebrate as completed in that Bethlehem son's arrival and his life and his death and his resurrection. In the greater Jonah, we see God's relentless pursuit uh, of sinners, uh, pursuing them all the way to dying for them so that through his death, we might escape death. And it all because and demonstrating his heart of compassion for us. So, in what ways are you still running from God? Is there something quite overt and you're, you're running from God and his call on your life and his ways? Or maybe it's something more subtle, right? The, the, the busyness and the distractions become convenient to kind of keep God at a distance. 
maybe, maybe it's tied up with people, right? That was the big thing for Jonah, right? It was his own personal anger towards people that had him running from God. Maybe that's what you're tempted to do. There's someone that, who's pretty awful, uh, or just somebody you're frustrated with and angry with, and, but deep down it actually has you running from God. Family member, maybe a, maybe a spouse even, maybe it's believers in the church, you're frustrated, angry with them, uh, but the, the real ugly part of it is it actually has you running from God. What are we to do? Well, in light of the greater Jonah, <clears throat> we see good news. Really, really good news. That God relentlessly pursues runaways. I ran into this great quote this week. God has more ways of pursuing us than we have ways of running from him. God has more ways of pursuing us than we have ways of running from him. And the ultimate pursuit is Jesus himself. The Son has come. The Son has come to seek and to save the lost, and through death he's accomplished it. So what do we do with that? Well, put simply, we, we stop running. We stop running. We see the, the pursuit. We, we, we see the heart of compassion. And we see the rescue, and we, we stop running. And we trust him. We put our faith in him. We, we grab a hold of him. Maybe, maybe that's something for the, for the very first time. You say to God, I'm going to stop running and trust you. Or maybe you've been confessing Christ for years, but there's still that little part of you that wants to run. And you, in light of God's love and compassion in Christ, you, you stop. And you trust in him. And it's good news, right? It's good news because he's lovingly pursuing. Uh, and he's lovingly saving. And he delights to do it. Well, let's, let's go ahead and, and pray together. And maybe before, before I pray for us, um, just, just while it's quiet, maybe there's something you want to pray to God just individually, directly. I'll just give you a silent minute to do that, and then I'll, and then I'll close. Father, we, we praise you for your relentless pursuing love. We thank you, Lord, that your, your grace is greater than all our sin. And thank you that you, you put that before us again and again in your Son. And we pray, Lord, that we would, uh, would, would joyfully, uh, Lord, receive that. Stop those ways of running from you in order to joyfully trust in you and, and be renewed by your spirit. Lord, do that work in each of us and in the world around us. Lord, for that is our hope and our joy, we pray. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.